Hello everybody and welcome back to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is Corporal Hicks and joining me are my usual partners in crime, Rich Top. Hello again everyone. And Xenomorphin. That it be me. And we're back with episode 66 and I think this is probably our first little round table for a while. It's mostly been interviews this year I think so far. For this episode we're actually going to be talking about a comic um, specifically a Predator comic that goes by the title of Bad Blood and I picked this comic for a very specific reason and that is the, the concept of, of Predator conflict of, of Predators that don't follow the same um, same codes and rules as your normal ones and that is because that seems to be something that the Predator the upcoming film is going to be playing with as well so it seemed appropriate. Before we do actually crack on and start talking about the comic, I'm just going to read a brief synopsis, a blurb of the comic, just for those that might not really know what, what this one is about. And this is the description from the literature section of our website, of AVP Galaxy. And I do believe it's just off the Dark Horse website anyway. It's just the um, description from that. The New Jersey Pine Barrens have become a slaughterhouse, witness to a hideous spree of murders and mutilations. Ex-CIA operative John Polnick is accused of the gruesome crimes, but he knows the true identity of the Slayer, a creature from another world, a predator. But unlike others of its species, this alien intruder is no sport hunter, but a blood-crazed psychotic, a butcher of its own kind, an unhinged killing machine. While a massive manhunt sweeps the barrens, a stalker of a different kind searches for the killer, the second predator, bent on bringing down the rogue monster. I think that sums it up quite effectively. Mm. Without getting into all the uh, <laughs> the tangents and complications of the actual series. Because yeah. I knew Xenomorphine is not a huge fan of all the... Uh, <laughs> all the it, it was... It was... Um, I be like the comic equivalent of watching like a Michael Bay Transformers <laughs> fight sequence. It, it's a little confusing. Mm. The comic ran through uh, 93 to 94, by the way. Yeah. And yeah. Okay, so um, a short prequel of the same name was released in Dark Horse Comics, issues 12 to 14, and that was between August and November of 93. The main series then released in December of 93 with an issue every two months from the looks of it until June 94. The series itself wasn't actually collected as a trade back and it wasn't collected until it was included in the release of Predator Omnibus Volume 3 back in the mid-noughties, I think it was, which that included uh, the prequels uh, and the and the actual series. Uh, Evan, Evan Dorkin... Uh, served as the writer for both the prequel and the main series. Derek Thompson did the illustrations for all. Chris Chalinor did the colours for the main uh, series. And Robbie Bush did the prequel. Evan Dorkin was actually the illustrator for Predator Big Game, which was the second Predator comic series that was created. You know, most people tend to think of Cold War as the second series because that's the one that follows on from from Dutch's brother's storyline, but it was actually Big Blood. Big Game. Uh, yeah, Big Game, sorry. And Derek Thompson had worked on a couple of other um, a couple of other comics from both franchises. He worked on Aliens, on Alien Havoc, and he also worked on AVP illustrating The Web, which was a, a short that was actually a sequel to the original AVP. It picked up one of the characters from the first AVP. Uh, that was actually a nice little shot, actually. A black and white one. Pretty cool. But I digress. So, Predator Bad Blood. I think it would be fair to say that uh, back in the 90s, back in the early noughties, was, I think, a pretty popular comic purely for the fact that it included the, the Bad Blood concept. It included the um, this idea of, of a Predator not following the rules and it being punished for it. As these guys actually pointed out to me before we started recording, wasn't the first time we actually saw um, a predator not following the rules. So, does one of you guys want to 
give um, a bit of history on that? Well, there was a comic that came out around the same time as um, the original AVP comic. What, what was the name of that little short where it's just like a, a single brief hunt and it goes through this conflict between these two predators? It's not the bloody sands of time. It is... Oh, bollocks. Hang on. Hang on. This is going to piss me off. It's Blood Time. Okay. So it's not the Bloody That's Sands right. of Time. That's a Predator comic, which I think was a World War one, actually. Um, it is AVP Blood Time. Okay. So AVP Blood Time. That was, I believe it was meant... Did that actually come out before the first AVP comic as like a little preview thing? Was it, wasn't that actually the very first AVP comic before the main one? I don't think it was. I'm pretty sure AVP was the first one. Uh, Blood Time, yeah, I think, the first one. Uh, tied into oh, AVP War rather than the first AVP, because it introduces the clan elder from uh, from War. Top Knot, I think his nickname was. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I need to go back and, and read the comics. It had been a long time, and and uh, it was cool to revisit Bad Blood. But, but anyway, so this short comic, it was just a one-issue thing where there's an initial hunt and the Predators are fighting aliens. And essentially, one Predator steals the other's kill. And even though the other is is gravely injured, I guess the the, the dishonorable predator figures he's just going to die there, so he bloods himself with the kill of a of another predator, and just returns to his clan. But um, to his surprise, his clan had already rescued the the predator he left for dead, and so they obviously knew what happened and left him to die on the planet, essentially. So it was an interesting uh, concept to the Predator clans pretty much exiling or punishing Predators that don't follow the, the code of conduct. Now, I mean, in... It... Actually, sorry, just to interrupt. Um, Blood Time came out after Bad Blood. Oh, okay. So it was after. Huh. Yeah, so um, hmm. Bad Blood was September 94. But weren't you guys mentioning earlier about AVP, the first one itself? Yeah, yeah. the the very first AVP comic, the one that sort of got the ball rolling on it all um that was i mean in bad blood it's more it's literally like a predator serial killer that's literally going around even cannibalizing his own kind but in avp they've sort of played around with the um it's not really a bad blood thing as such because it's the lead clan the um, the one that went on to be called broken tusk he finds out basically all the other predators that he went down to the planet with, they've just decided to toss the rules aside and they're killing humans that are armed, unarmed, young, old. I think one of them might be pregnant. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and as, because he's basically in a crash, so he's in a coma for a while. And when he wakes up, he is understandably a bit pissed at that because all the his hunting party, as it was, they've sort of like, you know, thrown away the rules. So is a predator versus predator fight in that? In Bad Blood, it's different because that's more of a serial a predator version of a serial killer of their own kind. But. In the original comic, there was a really interesting panel where you see the Broken Tusk meets up with, I guess it was kind of like the other kind of alpha of the group, and he looks at the bag of skulls that he has, and, and that causes them to have a fight. So, yes, it does insinuate that they weren't there to hunt humans, they were there to hunt aliens, and you see in some of the, the panels of the comic, like the Predators, killing less um, strong humans, like uh, the family of that one boy in that scene. Yeah. So... They and and expands upon this in the um the Perry book as well. They they go into it in pretty good detail. The the Perry book clears it up a lot better. That kind of stuff was one of the issues I had with AVP. I I've not always been a big fan of the of the original series, of the original comic series. And but Perry's book clears it up so well. The idea is that the the other predators there are youths, the teens. They're people that Broken Tusk is supposed to be training, and they're impatient to get out there and get their blades stuck into stuff. So when Broken Tusk, when Deshande gets injured and knocked out, one of those other youths steps up as the alpha of the youths and leads them on, on their own rampage. Which I, I never really got until I read the novelization, until I read Perry's uh, Prey. And then I was like, uh, okay, yeah, I understand it now. Yeah, there was there was uh, some conflict there, and them not quite following the rules of what they should have been doing. But 
like you're saying, Bad Blood steps it up a lot more seriously. You know, this guy's mm. this guy's a, a psychopath, and that's what the um, that's what the prequel. The, the other versions, they were just like, well, you know, there's our fighting, but it's it's more of a disagreement of how things should go about. Whereas in Bad Blood, it's just an out and out, you know, intergalactic Jeffrey Dahmer type thing. And that's that's what the prequel sets up. The um, the narration in the the prequel uh, little yeah. series makes it. They do call him that in that, one, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They, I think they point out him as one of the examples. Yeah. Do really like the prequel because um, it felt quite cinematic, to be honest. But yeah, you get like this. The panels are showing the uh, battle between the Bad Bloods um, ship uh, coming over the moon in a very Independence Day sort of opening with the yeah. American flag waving and the the good predators, the Enforcers, that they've been nicknamed, I think thanks to Necker, um, are chasing them <laughs> down. And you've got this interview with um, an author of a book about serial killers. Yeah, yeah, because that, that actually is, I found that, a sort of, I don't know if it's deliberate. When I was reading through, it, I thought well, it had to be deliberate. That was very much like a callback to the original AVP because that was all this predator stuff, but it was narrated by a couple of human characters talking about things, and what they were talking about was coincidentally what was happening to predators. And this was using that very same plot device, which I, I don't think I. In you know, the other Alien or Predator comics, but it was nice to see because it's it's a great plot device. You don't need so much exposition, but you just have this person that's being interviewed on the radio and radio, and they're talking about different types of serial killers. And it's saying like it's not just one person who does it over years. Some of them they just go on killing sprees, and then and you have that panel that opens up into all those the other dead predators on the ship. And it's a really nice way of going about it. That's been kind of a common theme of some of the older alien and predator comics. Like you'll, you'll open with a scene between alien and predators and there will be some conversation that's just happening somewhere else, kind of narrating the scene, if you will, but also unrelated. It's kind of an an interesting dynamic. I think that the original AVP comic had the same thing, didn't it? Yeah. So I'm saying it was a, it was just these two, in character, not being interviewed on the radio, but what they were talking about, like the rules of you know going back to nature and the need to hunt and all the rest of it, it was overlaying all the visuals, which obviously you can't have just two predators talking in English to one another. So it does really, it really did help that along in terms of kind of it gave it a very cinematic tone. I thought it gives it it gives it the context without yeah distracting too much. I think that was actually a pre uh, a prequel issue. Um, AVP Zero, if I remember rightly. Anyway, sorry, we digress a little at that point. But no, yeah, that's, um, that's really... I I like that um, method, and I think it works. And I think mm. the prequel works, because I think in the prequel, that's the only... When it cuts to the inside of the Predator ship, that is the only time that you actually see evidence of the bad blood... Oh, no, no, it's later on, sorry. Um, ignore me, I'm chatting crap. <laughs> There's a there's a bit later on in the main series when the characters get inside the crashed bad bloods. Oh yeah, later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was getting I was getting that mixed yeah. up. I thought that was in the prequel. Um, what what did you think of the predator ship designs? The enforcer ship was one of the we had seen that one before, right? As the exact same kind of type of ship that had been in the AVP comic, at least somewhat similar to it. It looks like yeah. the shuttle from the first one with some weapon pods on the side of it, kind of like nacelles or... or yeah, I think they like variety. engines, yeah. But the, the Bad Blood ship was really cool looking. It looked, I don't know, like a, a bit crap. more grungy. Yeah, not the typical kind of Predator ship we're used to seeing. And, and that's been one of the cool things about the Predator ships is their designs don't always match up with each other. And obviously this is, well, not obviously, but this is likely de- dependent on the different clans that the Predators are in. Like even in the AVP movie, we see the sleek, you know, Predator motherships or, or the first Predator movie. It's more like a bubbly design. Whereas in Predator 2, it has all this crazy detail on it and spines and stuff. So, And you see it in ship design in some of the games and so just seeing the ships one in pursuit of the other having such a stark contrast in their different designs was was cool 
The interior did remind me very much of a Star Trek bridge layout. <laughs> yeah. Had, like the captain in the, like he had like a little captain's chair and he was giving orders to the other Predator crew. And they've got consoles as well, bless them. Like yeah. ops and yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing that carried pretty much throughout the individual designs as well was that the, the enforcers, the normal predators, so to speak, were very silver, very white, very predator one in appearance mm-hmm. and, and in colour schemes. Whereas the bad blood um, was more bronze, more orange, sort of predator two ish in how it was coloured and appeared. Even the ship is very sort of. The more rustic look. Yeah, yeah insectile, mm-hmm. I guess, with its own spines and pincers and stuff. I have to wonder if that was a deliberate thing. I would think so, because it's like, you know, you're inferring the white knight sort of thing. You, you, It gives the, the viewer a way to distinguish between the good guys and the bad guys, when, in fact, they're all predators. So, but it gives you a little distinguishing thing, yeah. I, I mean, more in terms of how one appeared predator and one appeared predator two. Obviously, they had to have some different... I don't... Yeah, the head design is the same. I think all the head designs are the same as predator one. You don't have that sort of ridged Klingon brow that I, I quite liked on the City Hunter design. But, um, yeah, the, the clothes. Uh, you also see the, quote, bad blood. He has that massive alien skull on, was it his shoulder or his... A predator, predator skull on his shoulder, yeah. No, no, he has like a huge, like a rhinoceros-sized alien oh, skull thing. I'm looking at the other shoulder. Yeah, I think he has one on each shoulder. And on his knees as well. It's a massive, great big thing. He is definitely more of an orangey sort of thing, yeah. I I loved the whole school thing. I thought it added a lot of personality to him. I mean, I know some of the other Predators have always had their own little... You know, the Predator 1 had its bone necklace and stuff, but just the full-on having a Predator skull on his shoulder and having skulls on his knees, I thought that gave him a great deal of personality off the bat. It made him look a bit more brutal, I think. Yeah, it's meant to make him look more savage, which worked. Mm. Also, the fact he was using a sword, it's like a bone sword thing, and that that makes him look more primal, and he's not caring about refinement, he's just doing it for the thrill of killing. Mm-hmm. Now, let's let's talk this concept then, let's talk the idea of a, a psychopathic predator, or predators that <laughs> don't necessarily f- follow the, the codes of conduct of, of the others. How do you guys feel about it? Is is that something you like? I mean, it's been seeing a lot of attention lately in some of the newer uh, products. I mean, after after Bad Blood came out, um, the concepts appeared in the reboots in the late noughties. So you had the killer clan in the Predator Pray to the Heavens, I think it was collected as, and then again in Three World War. And that was this idea of this banished clan that just killed for the fun of it and then the concept sort of gets into the films with predators and the berserker clan and following that made its way into the game avp evolution but that was more based on the berserkers rather than any sort of general concept so and again we're going to be seeing it in the predator it seems to be a big part of the predator is this idea of one one bad predator that's doing things that the other ones don't like so uh, what do you guys think of the concept of of the predator conflict of these different clans with different beliefs and rule sets i really like the concept i think it adds some extra depth to the predator race that you know would otherwise be a little one-dimensional and and that's that's always been the interesting thing about the predators is they're so technologically advanced but they're also tribal and nomadic and so seeing the different clans um and i guess the different ethical rules in the clans which again the books go into this more it's really interesting to to kind of see how the cultural differences between them operate and uh i know you don't necessarily like as how far some of the books push it aaron with the space samurai kind of thing and and that's the thing like in the in the movies we know they have honor okay because there's a couple instances like even in the first movie where he comments he would he would kill you if you were unarmed i still think that's difference between to me the predators are they are big game hunters they're not honorable they didn't kill them because they weren't sporting they weren't challenging rather than mm. fair or unfair more of the thrill the thrill of that right. kill so, That's so the, my view, yeah. the comics and the novels do take the concept a lot further, but the concept is still there in the movies, even in the second one with the pregnant woman 
And um, even in the AVP films, um, it's the concept is there a little bit. (laughs) So it's it's in the films. And I think they had even mentioned that with Predators, like the Berserkers were inferred to not have the same kind of, I guess, ethical code as the Redditor regular predators had i didn't pick that up from predators not even in the script oh i can't remember i never actually got around to reading the script for this for this podcast no i I watched the film and the in the film the only point of difference seems to be that you've got the super uh, oh god don't say that i ate that word uh, that that nickname (laughs) from you've got the super predator they're not super predators you've got the berserker (laughs) predators who are likened to wolves and you've got the um the regular yeah. predators dogs. who are likened to dogs. Did you did you reread the predator script then for this? The lit fact. No, I I didn't get around to it either, but I I remember it, and I I believe there was a point in it where they specify these predators will just will just kill, and so but, but I agree with you. I do think the comics take the the space samurai predator honor thing a bit far, and I thought that when I recently reread Three World War, I was like okay. Some of these predators seem needlessly suicidal based on the whole honor concept. <laughs> and so that's that's when I think it, it goes a bit far. But but I think we can infer from the movies and the games and, and pretty much the entire franchise that there is at least to one degree or another some ethical code that the predators follow. And the idea that there are predators, you know, just like we have crazy killers in our own human race that the predators would have ones that they would have to deal with is a really cool concept. And even even taking that further to the entire idea of bad blood clans that are enemies of the other clans is a good concept as well. And I think it's it's also um for us nerdy fanboys it's it's a good scapegoat for concepts we might otherwise be uh hesitant to. Like I remember when we were first uh, when predators, we were hearing the details of how these were going to be different and upgraded predators and stuff. We were worried, but it, it could be easy to just go, oh, well, it's another clan, so that's okay. And, and even with the, the new movie coming up, I know there's a little bit of fan uh, hesitation with the whole concept that's that's been provided to us in the recent synopsis of the Predators altering their, their DNA to become stronger. Some fans think that's not something Predators would do prideful for such a thing and you could just say well it's a bad blood clan you know they, they'll do whatever to become better killers so um i think the concept does contribute to to the franchise and especially in the comics it's a really cool one that's been explored i think it's i mean the there's always been that you know they have some kind of framework that they are doing their thing within i th- i think there's there is that schism where you get people like you know steve perry and the novels that went on from there where they did the whole yelcher thing and they made it as you say like space samurai space vikings i take more of the viewers um said a few months ago i think they because you look at how even the one in the first movie acted and it you know it's camouflaging it's it's shooting people while invisible it's killing them with a you know an energy gun. i don't think it cared so long as things were a fun challenge for it and in predator 2 it had yona and you know she was disarmed she was pregnant it was probably thinking eh, i'll let her live she can go and spread tales of our kind i think this is one of the things that the anderson the first AVP film actually um, communicated very well because you had that moment where Lance Henriksen's Wayland character, he was held up by the Predator and it saw he was riddled with disease and it just dropped him. And you have that moment where Wayland just says, don't turn your back on me. And he, he improvised a flamethrower. And as soon as he did that, he was fair game. The Predator just dropped him because he thought you're not worth the challenge. As soon as that happened, he was a valid target. I prefer that sort of, you know, they're big game hunters, but they're crossed with wildlife management experts. They they don't want to deplete the population of their prey. It isn't war to them. It's a fun safari excursion. Then they go home. I prefer that way of doing it. The problem with that is that 
if you're presenting them as what they amount to sadistic, bloodthirsty safari hunters, it's very difficult, like with vampires, it's very difficult to, ha- to say, hey, you know, on the new film, a new story, this is going to be a good vampire or a good predator or whatever, because you've already set the precedent. These are not things you want to be around. With that said, I do, I like that they're, that this makes them not like a typical, and I say typical because I'm sure there are exceptions, a typical, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars race where they're all the same kind. Some are going to interpret laws and frameworks differently. Some probably will be psychotic serial killers amongst their own kind. And I like introducing that into the story because, A, it it's conflict and the golden rule of storytelling is always goal plus conflict equals story so if you have predators having conflict amongst themselves it adds new layers that can be played around with and i liked what was done in um predators where royce did find that one that was i think he's called crucified but he's basically roped to that spike thing and he let him out as a, you know, the enemy of my enemies, my friend. But he always kept at the back of his mind, you know, it could turn on me as well. But I really liked that. That gave that story a, a nice little defining element where you saw this predator would just fucked off at these other ones that had left him for dead. He was just going. He wasn't helping the human out of the goodness of his heart or her or its heart. It was helping Royce because. That was going to stick it to those who left him in that position. And that was really relatable. But it came out of that conflict between predators. So as a concept, I really like that as, um, you know, it's there. There's going to be conflict, which gets to the point of some cases, life and death, maybe even faction wars or clan wars. But as was said earlier, I, I think it's it's difficult to do right when you are basically talking about an entire species which basically they live for the thrill of killing things in a fun way which if a human did it you'd be thinking you know they're the equivalent of freddy krueger but for the predator freddy krueger would be like a a normal predator so it's difficult right but i think the concept when it's there I think it's a fun thing to play around with, but it's it's difficult because there are going to be limits with it. So like with the new film, I've heard about that in the synopses. I'm cautious about that. I'm very, uh, I'm going to do it well. But if I do it well, great. It's a concept I like, but um, it is difficult to, um, it's like having a good guy vampire. It's, it's so difficult to get right. Yeah. When I read the, the three world war comic, Machiko had an interesting explanation for how she differentiated regular predator clans versus blood clans. She said that although the, the hunts end in a kill, that's not the point of the hunt, but with the bad bloods, that is the point is just the killing. Um, but yeah, the concept, kind of like you were saying there, Eric, usually leads to a team up of some kind with, with the human characters, almost always really. And that can be kind of a, a fragile thing with the fan base. I think the team ups, like you said, they have to be handled well. Like the predator's yeah. not just going to join with a human out of the goodness of its heart. It's going to, it'll be like a, a mutual goal of some kind. Um, and we did see that a little bit with Royce and the Predator in, in Predators, and I thought it was handled well. Even in AVP, people groan about that. Mm. I thought it was handled well there. But uh, we do know it, it's coming up again in the new movie based on the leaked photos. We see uh, some Predators working with the human characters. And so that could infer that they're up against some other other clan. The, the only question is how specified is that going to be i mean you have to wonder if the the filmmakers really think about this sort of thing as much as we do if they're thinking about oh it's a bad blood clan or like this is a new cooler predator whatever you know we don't care so um i i am a little concerned about about the synopsis just to be perfectly honest the thing I, i hope they differentiate is that you know we can at least take it as this is a different clan as opposed to retconning the entire reason that the predators hunt if they're if they make this a wider thing that it's like, oh, well, the Predators always did this new thing and, you know, we're just retconning it, then I, I don't think it'll go over as well. 
not to get into too spoilery territory. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> a lot of the information that we've got has come from a leaked script that was like a year old by the time they started filming it. And skip a, a minute or two now if you don't want any specific details. But at least in that specific script, they, from what I remember, granted it's been a while since I've read it, they did differentiate the clans, as in there was a different philosophy that these these two conflicting factions of predators had. So, you know, the the ones who had teamed up didn't agree with the retconned angle that the um the bad predators were following. And you know, I actually I went back and tried to have a look for some interviews from predators to see if the writers ever talked about that in in when they were handling the Berserker clan in the classic. Um, the Crucified Predator, but I couldn't say anything. I can't remember if it's in Robert Rodriguez's early script that Predators was kind of a little bit based upon. I do, I do hope that's something that uh, Fred, uh, Fred Decker or Shane Black will specify with this. But when you talked about the team, um, the team ups that always sort of happen, you kind of get a little. It's not a team up in Predator Bad Blood per se, more of a I guess baton passing, I guess, because you have that section mm. when after the predator, uh, the bad blood, and the enforcer have the scrap. Mandy Graves comes across the um, enforcer who's oh, flicking to it, who's lying wounded in, um, mm. and he sort of explains the situation and helps. How does how does he help uh, help them find the bad blood? It gives her the um, the device that will locate the, the tracking device yeah. pod that he came down in. So, do you think that was a better way of handling, you know, a mutual alliance, mutual team ups kind of thing? Was it was it better as the deathbed thing from Bad Blood or the other team ups? But don't think... forget, there's also another one we haven't mentioned: Ahab in Fire. Oh and yeah, Stone, how could I forget about Ahab? Absolutely love Ahab. I think that's earned. I I, I do think that's earned in. Um... I mean, it it depends. I mean. Is there a way where you could script a film, a blockbuster film, which was about, say, U.S. Army troops having to team up with Hamas or Al-Qaeda in order to defeat ISIS? Yes, you could, but you're going to have to be really careful about how you do it to make it feel convincing and believable. I think that's basically where we are with like team-up territory. I think that both both can be done. You can do it like in Predators where it wasn't necessarily a team up. It was just um, a brief moment of, of cooperation, I guess. And it was kind of the same in Bad, Bad Blood, like you were saying, like they just they can differentiate. This isn't the predator that's been giving them them trouble and it's probably not here to hunt them. So they leave each other alone. And that's pretty much that. Except uh, Mandy does reveal later that the predator gave her a device to, to locate its ship so that she could stop the bad blood and predator. push the other one. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think the team ups again, they're, they can be done right. They can be done too far. It, it really just depends on who, you know, what your, what your perspective is of it. If you don't like the concept of team ups, you know, obviously the further it goes, you're, you're not going to like it. I think it's fine. I, I think it's worked in, in the comics and the books and even in, in, the films that we've seen it in to to the small degree we have and it'll be interesting to see how the new movie handles it steering back onto the comic then and onto the the predator versus predator so rather than it being a, a wider sort of clan based thing this this guy this this bad blood predator in the comic is is an individual is just a it's just a murderer it's just a guy acting on his own and the predator police enforcers are chasing it down <laughs> and that is the main i think selling point of this of this series you could probably divorce i say probably you could near enough divorce the the predator side of it to the human side of it and it would still be i guess it still makes sense to to a good degree but how did you how did you guys feel about the you know the actual the predator on predator stuff in terms of the comics artwork did you find the fights easy to follow uh, did you struggle with them well i the... struggled a lot <laughs> I, I, I will say i found the fights I, I found pretty much all the whether it's humans or predators it was all really convenient because you had all the blood going everywhere and i 
I had a diff- I, several times I had to like go back a page or two to f- try and figure out what was happening. And actually, I found on the the actual like the the main big predator versus predator confrontation. I actually to this day I still don't quite understand because there are things like he shoots a net at it, but it the net's not attached, and he he shoots you know the murder frisbee and something happens and it yeah you know what people call the smart smart dish but it's never actually (laughs) guided you never actually see that in the film he's murder frisbee and it you know he throws it but it it doesn't connect it doesn't get deflected and i'm sitting there going what what happened there and and it's just lots of you know it's it's like when um with respect to the writer and the illustrator, it's like, you know, when you were like little and you were at primary school and you'd just seen like a James Bond film and you have little kids and they're saying like, oh, and then this, 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 this jet went, Ooh, and then it was all, and then it was all, and then, you know, what happened to the little kid and the guy with the spear and it went, oh, and it was, it was like that in script form. And that's all I can imagine how it was because it's re, it's, yeah, I like to see that when it's, you can, like in Predators with the same and, you know, the, the, the other Predator, he has a sort of like arm length blade and you can tell what's going on. That was Falconer, wasn't it? It could have been. I don't remember. But, you, you know, you can tell what's going on. It's not like things getting flung at you at the script. And that's what it feels like in comic form for this, all the actual action sequences like the, there are some that are like little fakes out fake outs like right at the start i think it might be in the prequel where you see one guy climbing a tree and you see it in predator vision and then he turns with a look of surprise and there's all this red fluid and you think oh the predator's got him but it's actually like the paintball guys have, have shot him with a ton of little red paint capsule things that's like there are little moments like that which are you know they're fun and you think oh that's good but most of the stuff, even when it's going after the humans, you just see a human, a whole body just being ripped in half. But you're not seeing like how it's happening. It's just this <laughs> fountain of blood going everywhere. So I, to me, it was a lot of the fights. You know, you have this build up sexually of predator versus predator, but the whole oh I did this I did this blah 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 that kind of, it just felt very confusing it was very noisy in terms of visuals and imagery I found so I wish everything had just been clearer in general but the the, the fights in particular because it was just it was like someone just opened a bucket of shark vomit onto the page and <laughs> yeah it's you can think yeah it's predators it's, it's blood it's graphic it's gonna be graphic you know these things that just tear spines out of things but there's too much going on in the image the, the image composition needed polishing i feel because it's if i had like bought this to read i'd have felt a little short changed yeah i personally i I followed it all right. I mean, I and I think the art style was was pretty good. It, it definitely had the feel of one of the older comics. But you're right that especially the scene, like the climactic fight between the Enforcer and and the Bad Blood Predators, it gets to a point where the fight goes on for a while too. It goes yeah. on for like multiple pages, and the panels just kind of meld into each other, and you're like, what is going on here? Yeah. But I mean, I, I could still follow it overall, but yeah, there's a lot of different scenes and sometimes it'll jump from, you know, one group of humans to the other. And, and I had to like flip a page back. Okay. What happened here? So, so I get you, but it was just, little it just felt like, yeah, I was a little disjointed, but it just felt like, a, you know, an action movie where you don't really care about that. You know, it's like, we got to go, we got to go. It's like, you're not really focused on the story flow too much as, as much as you are just the action for the sake of action. Well, honestly, in a little tangent here, the hardest comic in the franchise I've ever had to read was the mind hunter comic, uh, with, <laughs> with, uh, a crossover with mm-hmm. alien predator, uh, Witchblade in darkness. And that was the only comic <laughs> that to this day, if I read it, I'm just like, I don't know oh. what the hell is going on here. <laughs> like I cannot follow what is happening from page to page. I mean, there's some cool artwork and, and imagery and concepts in, in the comic. It's one of the only female predators we've seen in the comics. But, but as far as following the actual story goes, that, that one's a tough one. I've not read that one. I Oh, you should. You should. We should do a podcast on, on those ones because I think there's multiple ones that they've done. Or just a podcast on 
we're going all over the place here, but just a podcast <laughs> on the uh, the wider crossovers, you know? I can't believe we haven't done that oh, already. Yeah, the one sure. with Terminator was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was... I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the, the various crossovers, so it's never really something I fancy uh, chatting about. But mm. maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do one uh, later. In regards to the artwork, I, I've... <laughs> Because of how long we've been meaning to do this episode, I've read the series so many times now <laughs> over the past couple of months. And the first time I was reading it, it'd probably been the first time for a good a good few years. And I was like, what the hell is happening? And I was I was struggling to follow it. But with each reread, I, was, I took a little bit more time each time. I was like, OK, I'm following this now. I'm, I'm seeing where the fight's going and what's happening. The bit that... I struggled with the first time around really badly was um, was what happened to Mandy Graves. Because of Predator Hunters, the most recent Predator series, I knew that she got her hand crushed, but I completely missed it the first time I was reading, uh, rereading it. And I had to go back and sort of flick through the pages and like, what, what, where did that happen? And I <laughs> eventually found it. But the, yeah, the, the, the artwork's so busy. And yeah. Yeah. Unclear at times. I've I have a huge problem with the um the colouring of a lot of the older uh, older comics. Granted, I don't know if that's because I'm I'm read the most of the the majority of them in the omnibus reprints. I don't have a great deal of the individuals. Um, I ended up giving a lot of my trades and individuals as away when I got the um I got the omnibus. But I think when they redid them, they did touch up some of the colouring. Um. Dark Horse Digital, I think it was. Yeah, some of them they have, yeah. See, when I reread it, I just reread the digital one. I'd have to go back and, and look at the paperback and see if it's any different. But I, I do think some of those older comics could could use some some recoloring one of these days, as, as we usually bring up with that one yeah. AVP special edition one. Where's Diablo, I think it is. Yeah, they, they need to. They need to. I think, doesn't Mandy's hair color change at least once in this, I think? I could be misremembered, but I think there's a few panels where it's like she's got red hair and then it switches to brunette or something. So. See, I always thought it was purple. I thought she had white hair in Hunters, <laughs> anyway. Worse. The attention to detail that we... Uh, we... I, well, I will <laughs> say that I did notice right at the end of it, which made me think one of the people in Predators must have seen this. I noticed at the end with her character with the, um, the targeting lasers all over her face, and I thought, oh, that's that scene with Royce that they did with the advert for the Predators. <laughs> yeah. The misleading advert. Yeah, but you, you look at that and it looks exactly like that frame in this um, Bad Blood comic. What's interesting is the cast you see on her hand at the end was it has the, the Enforcer clan symbol on it, so it looks like they patched her up before they, oh. they left. So let's let's talk the human characters then in in the in the series. It was very random, I thought, a very random collection. Um, and and the human story. Let's talk all the human elements. So the main character is pretty much this guy called John Polnick, who was um, he starts the series owning the paintball site, which I thought was a nice little bit of difference. Um, who yeah. turns out to be an ex CIA guy. Who worked? <laughs> who worked with um, a guy called Cloud Loudermilk? What a name! Cloud Loudermilk. <laughs> who is also oh, in charge of a predator task force? <laughs> and then you've got the police deputy who sort of get roped in to help them and then you have Paul Nick's old squad who went all and, went AWOL. Yeah, and and wasn't the deputy someone that one of his old squad sort of put as an insider to help him no, or something. Yeah. something like that happened no that was uh, you're thinking you're thinking his co-manager at the paintball site the, the guy that helps oh, that's him right. later on the guy that helps him to break out oh you mean the, the deputy who calls the AWOL squad right no no the the one that teams up with Paul Nick I know there's a lot of weird little sort of red herrings where and there's this whole backstory with Claude Laddermilk, and he he turns out like he led this CIA team, and he's got he's I mean it goes back to the title Bad Blood. There's bad blood between those. I just thought of that. Um, <laughs> and there's um, 
see this is i've read the story and there's this whole clearly a big backstory between those two characters because there's this whole even when he he finds you know commander loudermilk he comes down on his helicopter and pulnick goes oh no oh god no not him and there's this whole thing heavily inferred that there's this massive thing that went wrong and then i learned through you guys oh there's this prequel and i thought oh it's to, it's going to explain that and it didn't do anything <laughs> so when you read the prequel afterwards you're just sitting there going what wait what you definitely feel like there's this huge chunk they must have scripted a much bigger story and this huge chunk just got taken out of it and all you're left with are these characters like going oh you know those days you remember the cia when we were you know we were going on and it, it took us about um beirut or something it, it's like in the original um predator film where dutch says like oh you know afghanistan or something but it's just like a weird throw one-time throwaway line and this you it keeps on playing and it's like louder milk he keeps on detaining paul nick for like no real good reason he just wants him detained and when he talks to him in an interview he said well we thought you knew these guys and we thought you were going to meet up with them but it turned out you never did so oh well but he just keeps on wanting to detain him at the expense of going after the predator and he even commits all these gi joe costume type troopers to fighting off these owl type guys and you never get a, a feeling of what the hell his problem is with Paul Nick. And he's just <laughs> wasting all these resources on hunting him down, even to the point where they put out on the TV, um, you know, old Paul Nick is actually responsible for all this big massacre that causes, you know, that the, the Predator is actually responsible for. But you never find out what the hell this guy's problem with it is. And it's not even saved for a sequel because, you know, they're dead at the end and you just if you've been reading it up to the last issue trying to go oh wait this is going to make sense this is totally going to make sense i've just got to get to the last issue oh wait what what the hell happened you saw it it definitely felt like the human characters that there's this whole massive thing that's just been removed and what we're left of there are like the little loose ends that they would have tied up if they'd had enough time or something but it's that is one of the big reasons I I felt it's a very confusing story over. Even when they first arrive, they they say, "Oh, it's the FBI," and then they say, "No, it's the CIA," and then a character goes, "Oh, it's the FBI." No, it's the CIA, and you, eventually it turns out they were the CIA. But it's even that you 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 feel mentally like you're going from you're looking from the left to right, left to right, left to right, and by the end of it, you just go, "Oh, oh, just take me back to the predator action." The antagonist. Um cia unit leader guy cloud loudermick or whatever uh he he (laughs) reminded he reminded me a lot of the um peter keys character from oh yeah except crazy the the whole setup was very reminiscent of of the the unit from predator 2 anyway the whole the wolf of otherworld life form organization and it would have been it would have been nicer if that had been tied in a bit tighter you know, they they were there because they knew about the predators, but they also had to have this connection to um to Paul Nick in the past. It it was all kind of messy in that regard. It, it felt. Did you notice Louder Milk bore more than a purely by coincidence that he did bear a very close resemblance to David A out of Prometheus when you look at even down to the hairstyle. I can't say I noticed it. <laughs> yeah, it it does though. It's very weird. I was not very interested in the human side of the story, I must be honest. And I, I can't imagine a great many people who were going after this comic would have been anyway. The drawer is the predator the predator conflict. And coming away from it, I didn't I didn't care about the 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 human story. It seemed convoluted, it seemed wasted. I'd just rather have these panels of the predators slaughtering people and fighting each other when I could underst- when I could actually tell what was happening when I got used to it. So none of none of none of the characters really stood out to me. But what I do think was pretty cool was that 
I can't say that the the comic ever sort of led you to know who was going to survive it. Obviously, because we'd mm. recently, Ristop and I had recently read Hunters. I don't think you've got around to reading Hunters, have you? You don't really read the no, comics. No, not yet. You should. It's really good. So we, we knew that Mandy survived because she was one of the main characters in, in that series. But when you get into there, you don't, it doesn't sort of walk you into who's going to survive, which was something that I thought was really cool. Did did you guys feel that way at all? Yeah, I mean, there were so many characters, and yeah, a lot of them pretty much got off and didn't make it. And also, this was a particularly gory comic as well. Like, I know a lot of the older comics are pretty gory, but this one especially stood out. Yeah, it felt very, when I say red-shirty. Yeah, there was a lot of randomers dying. Yeah, the, the trick with this kind of... If you're going to do that concept, I think you have to... It's like with aliens. You, you know, familiarise yourself with the Marines. They've each got their individual character quirks. Like in Alien, you know, Parker's the guy who's who's joking around. Brett, Lambert's the one who's on the verge of a heart attack. All that. You, you, you get the character quirks, and so you don't know who's going to die, but it's like you've gone along with them for the adventure and you start feeling a little bit of suspense because you're thinking, oh, you don't necessarily want one character to die or whatever, but who's going to do it? Who's going to bite the bullet next? Whereas this, when you don't care about the human characters, they haven't really got much in the way of their own little character, or at least nothing that makes them anything other than generic. You've that red shirt Star Trek feel where they're just there to die. Like in Alien 3. You, that's one of the things that is often one of the major. You don't care about the prisoners; they're just there to be red shirts. That is their entire purpose. So, if any of them survive, you're surprised. And I think that's that's where I was with this. I was I was more surprised that anyone survived it because it doesn't make an effort, except for maybe Pulnick. And even then, that's only because this this louder might guy just doing this constant manhunt for him for no real good reason, um, you, you're not really invested with him because you're not really there for the ride with the human characters. You're just there about half, if not just a third of the way through it. You just think, oh, let's just do with the Predator action. And if you get that, it's it's not healthy for, um, like with a game, you've got replayability factor. Comic, you've got re-readability factor. And you I think that's lacking in this one because you don't have the characters. You you're you're differentiating differentiating much between aside from maybe like their hairstyles. It's something visual. It's not character that you feel makes them different to another red shirt. I thought it was kind of funny how edgy that Polnick's CIA AWOL squad <laughs> seemed. Like. <laughs> Robert Graves was wearing a Nine Inch Nails shirt, and Mandy had all this like cool jewelry and stuff. And I was like, "This yeah. is a very '90s comic." They looked like punks, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as much as I didn't really lo- find them memorable, or you know, they're, they're not my favorite comic characters, I do think they did at least attempt to individualize that unit. Uh, you know, with the, with the explosives obsessed guy, and Mandy being the silent killer kind of person, and her and. Rob, I think the 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 husband, the married things. So I do think they tried to give them a bit of teeny weeny bit of personality to them. I just I didn't really Not care much. No, it, it's hardly anything. It was it was more than just being nothing. They just felt like like you could have slotted those characters into an eighties episode of Knight Rider or A Team or something, and they'd have just been at home in there just as much. They didn't. They just felt like generic action film dude dudette type characters <laughs> in fact no i'll tell you i'll tell you what every character in this felt like one of the generic characters out of predator 2 it felt very predator ish in tone i will give it that it did yeah and i think they only showed up that squad only showed up about halfway through it was about issue three yeah. when they actually showed up so they didn't actually mm-hmm. have a lot of page time to really get into it but again, as as I keep saying, you know, that's that's not the draw of this this series. The draw is the the predator conflict. Um, so it almost feels like they couldn't Dawkin, uh, Evan Dawkin, the writer, knew that and just couldn't quite want to put the effort into them. I guess maybe. I feel like they wanted to, but 
either a whole chunk of it got deleted or they just went, oh, let's go back to whatever. It, yeah. it didn't feel like it connected its own dot. Like, as I say, this whole louder milk Paul Nick thing, and I was expecting some big reveal there, or maybe it would come into the fact that, like, during a mission he got sent on or that fucked up, maybe that was a mission where Loudermilk was covertly getting some kind of evidence about the Predators or something. And it all just came to nothing. And that's what, it, you know, they hold, had a, you look at all the Loudermilk Paul Nick stuff, that has to make up, like, 75% of at least the background of what's going on. And it doesn't go anywhere with it. So I think they, 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 when they were writing it, they, they had some kind of, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't feel like everything connects. It's just a, a big bloody predator kill thing. It's not. And that's, those are honestly the strongest parts of the comics with the, the big panels where you see the predator just, ripping people apart left and right and where the two mm. predators are fighting. And, and that's when the art in the comic is the strongest. In my opinion, you, you have yeah. the big panels where the bad blood just jumps in out of nowhere and smashes two guys skulls together into like bloody mess. And I'm just like, damn, this comic's got some good panels, but um, visceral. Yeah. So characters, you're right. They felt underdeveloped and it felt a little like we're going all over the place here. Like I, I did not think, because I, I read the prequel comic not knowing it was the prequel comic, and I didn't think that the protagonist, um, John Polnick, would be the the main character. I was like, oh, this is just going to be a guy caught in the crossfire with, you know, this guy runs a paintball shop. Oh, wait, no, he's ex-CIA. Oh, here comes his old boss. Oh, he's accused <laughs> of murder. Oh, here comes his ex-squad mates. Oh, they're going yeah. on, a, on a mission now to kill everyone. And it's just like, okay, we've gone from, like, zero to a hundred here like really fast so um well it's like he, he would have been better as like the ripley character where he didn't have all this convoluted background but if he were just in this survival situation and he was trying to make he was using his own skills or whatever that would have come across as a much better story where he just happens to get caught in the crossfire but i think by loading up all this other stuff in the background i think it actually hurt the story it hindered it more than it helped it it felt very made up as it went along rather than planned mm. out i think yeah but at the same time i i think sometimes it's it's cool to have these stories that you know that can just be into the more absurd action territory because sometimes that's fun. You know, not every, not every comic needs a super well-developed story. Sometimes it's cool to just jump into the action and have a good Herc time. Mondo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on, on that note then, Ridgetop, what did you think of the comic overall? Is it something you would recommend to people who haven't read it? Would you recommend they seek it out? Is it something that you think you'll come back and reread at some point? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely want to reread it, and I would totally recommend it. It's one of the more memorable older Predator comics, and and I thought it was really cool how the new one Hunters referenced it. There's a a flashback of Mandy's character where you see the events of this comic in a totally different art style, and that was kind of kind of interesting to see. But as far as this comic goes, it's a good time, you know, especially if if you just want a crazy bloody Predator action fest, you know, it it delivers. Okay, Xenomorphin, final thoughts? It's got value, like historical value, as it were, as one of the older comics. But having read through it and the prequel, I will say I enjoyed the prequel a lot more than the main story. I think if the prequel had just ended there, I would have thought, oh, that's that's quite a decent story. It It is a story where you have to add the caveat of, of if you're introducing someone to it, you say... You know, it's it's like a film where you feel you want to fast forward through the human drama parts and just get to the action. Yeah, okay. Just be in mind that it's it's confusing both in terms of story and visually. If you're prepared to sort of, if you're aware ahead of time, you it might be one of those where you have to go back a few pages every so often, as, as I certainly did a few times. As long as you're aware, you're forewarned, you might have to do that. Yeah, I think it's all right for just, as Richard Up says, just, you know, it will just, just 
sit back and it's just a crazy story about people getting torn in half and it's um it is it does have that novelty of it being about a a predator criminal Mm. that that is the draw and that is probably one of the few things about it which makes any sense (laughs) but if you're what if you're going to read it for the predator versus predator fight just be warned that that is even that is not as clear as you'd expect it even that's a bit confusing but yeah it's one of those crazy action things and it is for a comic which is what 92 93 93 yeah it is very much a comic of its time it is sort of weird characters striking a pose when they're just talking normally it's it's one of those early 90s comics in every sense of the word so it's it's got that historical value as one of those early examples of what it does but um it's it's not one of the best and i think the comics again the strongest element was just the conflict between the two predators and and the whole visualization of this crazed predator who i mean you can just see it on him like his jaw is all nasty and elongated and mm-hmm. and he has way too many bones on him and he he's cannibalizing his own kind like even after he kills the in- yeah. enforcer he starts just eating him immediately and like he's got his nipple pierced and all that like like what <laughs> like this predator is just crazy so i am uh, surprised I thought... that it only depicted one sort of predator sheriff type bounty hunter coming after him well, I was the, expecting the rest more, and it comes be... later. Oh, what in the... oh yeah, right at the right end. end, yeah. But you'd have thought they'd have sent more than one ahead, like a team of them, like three or five or something. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I guess there's all sorts of reasons we could make up for that, though, in the end. But they do show up eventually. Yeah, they, this guy, mm. Dan Force, he was just—he was a go-getter. The the others weren't ready. He he deployed first, <laughs> and then everybody else showed up when they got all the the kit from headquarters. He was excited. <laughs> but in in general, I'm pretty much on the same page as as both of you. Actually, you know, um, like I said earlier, the the first time I was reading it, I I struggled to follow what was happening. But having read it so many times over the last couple of months and taking my time and you know absorbing each panel i can i can follow yeah. the i can follow the, the the fight scenes at the end of the day that is what this comic is known for it is known for being the main predator on predator entry into law um it is host- it is historical for that that reason i think i'd probably rather rewatch predators than reread the comic but it is something i would happily go back to sporadically you know again at some point but there's, there's so much lore at this point that you know <laughs> have you picked yeah yeah so i think that's all i've got to say on on the series are you guys tapped out mm-hmm. okay cool yeah so thank you everybody for listening uh, those have been our thoughts on bad blood uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think uh, feel free to you know shout up on the forum shout up on the socials let us know your thoughts on the on the comic any any agreements, any disagreements with us, you know, that kind of thing. That's cool. Um, this has been episode 66. Hopefully, by the time this is out, the Predator trailer won't be far off. And we will no doubt our next episode will be that or the Alien Covenant year look back. Both will be coming soon after this one anyway. Um, I'm still editing the last one at this point. Um, but no, it's nice to actually sort of get a, an idea of where we're going because I, I don't know about you guys, but I've I've been feeling a little lack of enthusiasm for the Predator following like all the stuff that's coming out, um, all the intel we've been getting and, you know, the fallout of Covenant. Well, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what we think of that trailer soon, hopefully. Hopefully. I'm sick of waiting. Mm. I'm getting impatient as well now, guys. If you're listening on iTunes or um, any of the other services that aren't direct downloads, please do give us a review and some comments uh, on the po- on the you know the podcast and leave us a star rating or whatever we are spread out quite a bit now so i think we're on stitcher and podbean and itunes and if have, have you set us up on google the google play service yet rich up yep we should be on there okay cool um so yeah please leave us some comments you can follow us on socials we are avp galaxy on twitter 
AVP Galaxy or Alien vs Predator Galaxy on Facebook. And if you just prefer pictures rather than links to our articles, we are on Instagram as Aliens vs Predator Galaxy. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks, where it's Alien, Predator, Star Trek, Airsoft, all manner of nerdy stuff. Um, do you guys want to shout out your individual channels? Uh, if you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, it's just at RidgeTop21. I do um, CGI art on DeviantArt at Sentinalysis. It's, um, if you can't figure out how to spell that, my um, forum profile, and it should be on there on Xenomovie. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, this is Corporal Hicks. And Rich Top. Xenomorphine. Get into the chopper.